Hi, I'm Max. And I'm a non-hugger. I get it honestly. I come from a family of non-huggers. This documented medical condition can affect relationships. Once, while I was dating Jenny and giving her a long hug, I actually did look at my watch, which apparently is considered bad hugging etiquette. I also suffer from PFS, otherwise known as poker face syndrome. This syndrome is a blank look or blank stare, kind of like this. That when you're on the receiving end of it can make it me feel as though I'm not listening or I don't care. PFS, ironically, can also negatively affect relationships. Who knew? I tell you these things because I want to put my cards out on the table and I, I need to do full disclosure in talking about what I'm going to talk about today. Because uh, what I'm going to talk about today, today's message could easily be dismissed by a personality like mine or have somebody like me walk out the door simply feeling condemned. And that's not my intent today, right? Today is week three of a three-week series on Superman and Batman. Let's just be honest. We've been wading into some biblical themes of identity. Who are you? How do you walk out a path of blessing in your life? Remember in first week, in week one, we talked about the fact that if you are born again, if you are born again, you are an adopted son or daughter of a heavenly father, which means that you are a beloved son or beloved daughter of your, of your heavenly father. Okay, And that's huge. That's where your identity comes from. It doesn't come from what you do. It doesn't come from what other people say about you. It doesn't come from what you have. It comes from the fact that you are a beloved son or daughter. Last week, we talked about the fact that for many of us growing up in the families we grew up with, we come into adulthood with a curse and not a blessing because of all kinds of things that play out in family systems. Um, But again, as an adopted son or an adopted daughter of a heavenly father, God can take a curse and turn it into a blessing. Remember, we talked, we looked at the story of Jacob and Esau, and we said, if God wants Jacob to have the birthright, Esau can't keep it. If God wants Jacob to have the blessing, Esau can't get it. If God wants Jacob to have the blessing, there is nothing Isaac can do to give it away. If God wants to bless someone, guess what? There's no stopping him. And so today, we're going to pivot, and we're going to turn a corner, and we're going to wade back into the story of Esau and Jacob, and we're going to focus not on what you got or didn't get from your childhood or what you feel or don't feel like today. Today, I'm going to challenge you to get into the phone booth and don the cape. Let me say that again. I'm going to challenge you to get into the phone booth and don the cape, okay? Because the world needs some supermen and superwomen out there. And there's two things that you and I can do that can bring about a revolution of blessing in the lives of people around us, okay? And so as I'm teaching today, I want you to be thinking about your tribe, your family, the people that you hang with, the people that you let your hair down with, okay? That's the context in which I'm talking about this. So if you brought a Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 27. That's where we're going to be today, Genesis chapter 27, and we're going to return to the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob is the younger of a set of twin boys, and even though he's the youngest, he's always listed first. Jacob is a little bit of a homeboy. He's a little bit of a mama's boy. Jacob is also a thinker, which is a fancy way of saying he's a schemer. Watch out. All right? 
Esau is the firstborn. Unfortunately, he's always listed second. And he's a hairy guy. We won't get into that. He's also a redhead. And he's also a sportsman. And they're very different. Last week, last week, remember we said that if you're a parent and you feel like a failure, or if you feel like your family system isn't working well, or your marriage relationship isn't working well, what did we say to do? Read the Bible. Why? Because the Bible's full of people who are so dysfunctional, they make what's on cable TV look like Disney. Okay? We said, open the Bible and just read about it. In this family, right here in Genesis chapter 27, you've got favoritism. Isaac, the dad, favors Esau, the firstborn of the twins. And even though God has said to Isaac and to Rebekah, I want Jacob to have the special blessing, Isaac, his whole life goes, you know what? God must have gotten that wrong. God, I, nah, no, it's going to be Esau. I'm going to do what I can to make sure it's the older boy, the first boy, the boy I like. And then there's Rebecca who favors Jacob. And she also has the same kind of, maybe that's why he's a mama's boy. I don't know, but he, she has favoritism. And so favoritism plays out. And then deception. Remember last week we walked into all the deception that went in that brought Jacob into his father's room, dressed up, pretending to be his older brother. And that's where we're going to pick it up uh, right here in, in chapter 27, verse 25. Remember, Jacob is wanting to bless his son, whom he thinks is Esau, his oldest son. But Jacob comes in and he's got goat hair tied around his arms and he's got goat hair tied around his neck. Bless his heart. Um, And so uh, we're going to pick it up right there, verse 25. Then Isaac said, now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. Come a little closer. That word that's used there is is a word used to describe armies that are drawn together in battle. It's a word that's used to describe the scales of a crocodile on a crocodile's skin. Come close. Okay, don't forget in this moment, Jacob is roughly 40 years old. Josh, can you stand up for a minute? I'm going to demonstrate. Come a little closer, okay? Right? Josh is like, I don't know, okay? So wait a minute. So now now where he is right now, my uncomfortable level is now at a DEFCON 3, okay? But come a little closer. Come a little closer. Now my uncomfortable level is off the charts, okay? All right? But this is what is going on in this passage. Thank you, Josh. I want to physically demonstrate it, all right? Isaac is giving Jacob, whom he believes is Esau, meaningful touch, meaningful touch. Meaningful touch is anything that is appropriate and non-sexual that conveys value to someone. It can be a hug. It can be a kiss on the forehead. It can be anything along those lines. Frodo, in the Lord of the Rings uh, uh, series of films, Frodo would take his hand and put it on Sam's shoulder. That's meaningful touch. And Sam would do the same thing to Frodo. Again, meaningful touch. If you fast forward to Genesis chapter 48, Jacob now as an old man has been reunited with all of his sons and grandsons and granddaughters and and daughters-in-law. And it's this big reuniting thing. And the Bible says that Jacob kissed them and held them close. 
meaningful touch is an, an important way to show and express unconditional love to someone. On the Day of Atonement, Aaron would place his hand on the scapegoat before letting it loose. On, for the sin offering, the priest would place his hand on the bull as it was slain for the sin offering. Did you know that over a third of your five million touch receptors are found right here in your hands? One third of them are right here, All right? Meaningful touch. Let's go down. Let's uh, pick it up in 27 and go from 27 to 29. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. And then this, from the dew of heaven and the riches of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. Isaac gives his son a spoken message, a spoken blessing. So you have meaningful touch and a spoken blessing that's playing out in this uh, uh, chamber scene, bedroom scene between Jacob and his son. Jewish people all throughout history would say spoken blessings over their children. In the olden times, way back a long time ago, it would be at birth, at circumcision, at dedication. But even today, it will happen at a bar and bar mitzvah. I've been to some of those. And the parents and the grandparents will stand up in the synagogue and they will speak declarations about their children, declarations about their children's future, that they, the best that they believe about their kids and what God has for them in the days ahead. And they'll do that at a bar and bar mitzvah. They'll also do it at weddings, all right? This spoken blessing is simply declaring those things you desire to see come about in someone else's life. A spoken blessing is a declaration of those things that you desire to see come about in someone else's life. In that scene in Smallville, Jonathan Kent does that for his son. What does he say? I'm so very proud that I protected you. I'm pr In other words, I'm proud of you, son. You've got to keep the whole world safe. This is your destiny. You're going to touch the lives of so many people because you're not just a man, you're also a symbol of peace and justice. And then the kicker, as he's fading away, I'll always be with you. Come on, that's like a kapow! Way to nail it, Jonathan Kent. I mean, that is a spoken blessing. Sometimes... As parents, as friends, as spouses, we can pen these things down and take a spoken blessing and write it. I've got one of those. John borrowed this the other week, and I was like, you've got my special Bible, my precious. And he's like, what's so special about it? What's in the front page? It's an inscription from my dad. You know what it says? To my son who has been given a special purpose by God, your dad loves you. Way to nail it, Mike Vanderpool. Come on. That's a blessing. It's a spoken blessing. That's why this is precious. Okay? And I hold it so. All right? Because you and I will rise to the blessings that are spoken of us, or we will slouch down to the curses that are spoken over us. And, and that's human nature to do those things. All right? 
So what are the two things that you can do that would launch a revolution of blessing around you, all right? One is meaningful touch. Guys like me, we got to work a little harder at this. This is not our default setting. At the back of the service just today, uh, right before the sermon started, James Ballard comes right up to me, puts his arm around me, and prays for me silently. He's great at this. I have to work at this, all right? But meaningful touch is important. It's important. And the second is spoken blessing. So let me ask some questions in light of this passage, in light of these truths, supermen and superwomen. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Seriously. Do you think you're too young? Well, when I'm 60 or when I'm 80, and I'm talking like this, come over here, my son, that I may bless you. Where are you? I can't see you. I mean, is, are you, do you think you've got to be an old person to do these things? Or if you're over the age of 50 or 60, eh, you know, young people, they don't care what I think. Baloney. When you speak words of blessing, they weigh more. They carry more weight and gravitas because someone who's lived life and experienced life is saying them when you mean them, all right? Are you waiting until you feel like it? As, as a non-hugger who suffers from PFS, there are many times when I just don't feel like it, okay? Do you think Superman, when the world was in trouble, was like, you know, the big giant uh, alien craft from outer space is coming and pff, the sea, you know, all metropolis skyscrapers are exploding. And he's like, man, Lois just called me a nerd. I can't put on my cape. She thinks I'm nerdy. Do these glasses make me look nerdy? No, he went into the, ca- the phone booth and he donned his cape. The world is in trouble and it needs us to don our cape, so to speak so that we spread around this revolution of blessing. Here's the problem, I think, that plagues you and me and that a lot of us in the Christian church. You and I have a tendency to think of someone else as Superman or Superwoman. See, we're always looking up to other people, and we look up to them, and it never dawns, us, uh, it never dawns on us until it's too late that there was someone else actually looking at us and thinking the very same thing. Isn't it strange? Believe it or not, Right now, today, there is in all likelihood someone who looks at you and sees Superman or Superwoman and would love to have a blessing, all right? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a leader. You don't have to be a missionary to do these things. You just have to be you and embrace your identity. And again, to understand what I'm talking about today, you really got to get the foundation of the last two weeks. So if you missed the last two weeks, go online because... Trying to do this stuff today in your own strength won't work. You need the Holy Spirit power. You need to have your identity rooted as a beloved son or daughter. That's got to be cemented before you can be fluttering around with that cape. You know, if you've ever seen The Incredibles, a cape can get you in trouble. You're around a jet engine and what happens? You get sucked right in. It's not good, okay? So you just have to be willing. I want to read this passage. Jesus understood this. In the upper room with his friends, on the night that he was betrayed, he spoke some blessings over his friends. And this is what he said in John 15. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father has told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. 
That's powerful. Jesus is saying, we're friends. Our relationship is rooted in my choice of you, and there's nothing that you do have has nothing that you do that had anything to do about this special relationship. And secondly, you're going to have lasting fruit. That's a statement of belief that someone's actually going to do some kingdom stuff. Brian Hall will do this occasionally for me. I'll pick on him since he's not in the room today. Um, he'll send me emails, and at the bottom of his emails, do you know what he puts? I believe in you. Now, he probably does that to you too, and if he does, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know because I see that line, and I think it's just for me. In fact, I, I start putting in some of my emails and notes to some of you, I put that now because it's true. And I'm like, well, gosh, darn it, that feels, you know, I believe in you. Whew. You know, the, so here's the, here's the thing. We've been talking about identity, about a path of blessing versus a curse. Today, I want you, as your identity is rooted, to bring about this revolution in the people around you because it's later than you think. And to, to talk about how late it is in the day, I want to talk about the typical family reunion. At the typical family reunion, we go to the Vanderpool reunion, right? And we do the thing, and my cousin Kelly and my cousin Mike, and so now you're still living in Bremen? Yeah, and you know, how's the job search coming along? Oh, great. And oh, did you hear that Lauren is now married, and you know, they're living in Houston, and her husband's like finishing up this residency, and I think he's going to be moving on to Johns Hopkins. No, really? Yeah. And um, you're talking the stories, and then before you know too long, they're talking about their European vacation, and then your spouse says to you, with this, you know, we just went to the lake. They went to Italy. How's come, you know, boom. And you're like, well, we can't afford Italy, you know, hush. Okay, and <laughs> that whole dynamic plays out. And so you, for a while in the family reunion, there's that pecking and clucking that goes on where you're trying to establish which one of the family turned out better than the rest of the family. And then right as everybody's going to go, right as everybody's going to go, the real good stuff comes out. Hey, hey, Susan, I want you to know that I hope you and Jack get back together because you know what? You're, you're a really good wife and you're an excellent mom. And I really want this to work out for you. Or, hey, Gary, I know you've been working really hard. I think you're going to make a great doctor. Don't give up. You hang in there in medical school. Boom. All it, the good stuff. And it comes out right as everybody's going. I'm like, What's that all about? Why not just... So here's what I know about some of your relationships. It's later in the day than you think. And so don't wait to don the cape. Don't wait to do the spoken blessing or the meaningful touch because it's some, in some relationships... It's later than you think.